Welcome to Growth Marketing Today, where marketers, designers, and product owners level up their growth marketing chops from experts in today's top startups. Here's your host, Ramley John. Welcome to episode 74 of Growth Marketing Today. I'm your host, Ramley John, and I'm here on a mission to help marketers and founders like you sharpen their marketing skills by talking to some of today's top marketing experts. Today, I have Tiffany De Silva. She is the founder of Flojo and a growth marketing consultant. Now, this is a different kind of episode. We do talk about SEO at the second half of this episode. But December, and I'm dating this episode, but it's really that time of the year where I'm more reflective and look back on the things that I've learned during the past year. And sometimes I compare myself to more successful people who have written books and spoken at so many conferences. And sometimes I feel bad. Like, what am I doing with my life? In this episode, I actually share that I'm turning 35 next year. And I feel like I've sh- I should have written a book by now or spoken at so many conferences. And sometimes I just feel like a, an imposter in, in the field of growth and marketing because that's not what I studied in school. And that feeling of imposter syndrome There's a study that shows that 70% of people from all walks in life, both men and women, experience this at some point in their career. I also had a chat with somebody from Y Combinator a few episodes ago where he said that a lot of the founders, they feel like they're always not doing good enough. And sometimes they feel like an imposter with a group of very successful people. In this episode, that's actually what we talk about. And Tiffany's been talking to a bunch of marketers in conferences about this feeling of imposter syndrome. With over 13 years of experience managing multi-million dollar budgets in various roles, including GeoSign Achievers and Shopify as actually the head of their conversion rate optimization team. You think that Tiffany is the other 30% of the people who never experienced imposter syndrome and they chew that for breakfast and rise to the top of the corporate ladder. But deep down, Tiffany shares that she actually felt like a fraud. So in this episode, Tiffany shares her own experience along with a framework and tool she uses every day to crush it and get stuff done. In this episode, you're going to learn how Tiffany get got started with SEO by building an affiliate site for Men's Razor at the age of nine. That's, that's actually crazy. Second, six ways to crush imposter syndrome and actually get stuff done. And third, why most businesses need more SEO pages and not more blog posts. By the way, Tiffany is also the creator of Flojo and they have this growth hacking box Super cool. She actually sent me one. It's, it's, I've been using it. So cool. It's a powerful little physical box of 100 tested and proven growth hacks for marketers, entrepreneurs, and consultants. Now, if you're looking for a gift for that marketer, entrepreneur, or consultant, you know, I, I'm terrible at giving, figuring out what gift to give people because I really want to make it personal. Get this cool box for that friend that you have in marketing or in business. She's offering 20% off for the month of December. She's offering 20% off for the month of December only for Growth Marketing Today listeners. You can go to growthtoday.fm forward slash box and use that discount code GROWTHTODAY, all capital, in one word, or find that link in the description. Now, before we jump in, I just want to thank those who made this episode possible. These folks help 
cover the cost of hosting, marketing, and tools so that I can focus on getting amazing experts that you and I can learn from. I actually had their founder, Ryan Bednar, on this podcast where he talked about A-B testing SEO. So, so if that's your jam, Rank Science helps marketers uh, write better content and also A-B test their SEO, you can sign up for a risk-free 30-day trial at rankscience.com forward slash grow today or find that link in the description. I also want to thank my early adopter Patreon supporters. They get an ad-free version of this podcast and get each episode a day before everybody else. That's super cool. They also get access to all the growth cheat sheets that I've created so far with all the actionable tips from each episode. Thank you, Jamie Ward from Las Vegas, Veronica from London, UK, Fabrizio Marches from Brazil, Nicholas Vargas from Sydney, Sam Grover from New Zealand, Joseph Blanti from Quebec, Canada, Lewis Nichols from Switzerland, Anwar from Canada, Jason Ng from the United States, Jan Kusel from Czech Republic, and Altgracia Diaz from Canada. Enough about this, let's jump in in my chat with Tiffany. Hey everybody, I have here Tiffany. I'm so excited to chat with her because I think we just chatted that I've seen you almost uh, quite a few times on Twitter and also I've seen you on Forget the Funnel and people said you need to talk to Tiffany, so... <laughs> Glad to have you here. I, I'm excited to talk to you about SEO and Flojo, and you know you've given a lot of talks about imposter syndrome. But before we do, I'd love to get your story about you know how did you get to where you're at right now? Yeah, so my story is a little bit different than some. I was a very nerdy little kid in the '90s, and my parents bought me a PS1 computer when I was in like nine years old. And a modem, a 2400 ball modem. And within about within the year, I had gotten the internet, had absolutely fallen in love with it, all with those free AOL disks and uh, free Prodigy and all that stuff. We were in the States at the time. And I, for some reason, thought that I was going to lose the internet or my parents would take it away. Um, kind of that immigrant thing. If you love something, your parents might take it away from you. <laughs> um, so I decided that I was going to try to make money off this thing. And I I was going to create uh, a website that would make money. And at the time, the only way you could really make money was from affiliate. So I created a website kind of selling shaving products and hooked it up with CBS. I know it's a weird story. <laughs> I'm aware. Uh, hooked it up with CVS Pharmacy and started to kind of sell products on there. And one of the things that ended up happening when I did was, you know, I I had created this very it was it was very bad HTML, but it was like a pink background with you know all like very shiny looking stuff. It was it was bad. It was like an under construction like guy <laughs> that was digging <laughs> and yeah, it was all that. And for some reason, men found my site. It could have been that the site was called Shave Star. That's a that's good. That's a great name. <laughs> for a nine year old, it was like so smart. For for other sites, it could be even better. But men started finding the site, and the ones that stayed ended up being triathlon uh, people, marathon people who ended up being embarrassed to use shaving products that were uh, the only shaving products out there at the time were for females. Uh, so I had kind of seen that started asking them questions on why they were buying from me and, and realized this weird niche that I had found. I had created a forum so they can talk about, you know, the different things that all the different running and whatever stuff. And it kind of made money for that summer. 
And then at the end of the summer, checks started rolling in and I got caught and I thought that my parents would be happy, but they were not. <laughs> and I just shut her down. And uh, that was, went off to fifth grade and did my thing. And But that was kind of my first array into the internet world. And it was something that I had loved doing. And it was this like amazing summer that I had crystallized in my head. Uh, fast forward 10 years, I didn't know that the thing that had made the website so popular at the time was that I had learned SEO uh, without trying to learn SEO. I just kind of or I was asking questions like, how do I get, how, how does my website show up on Yahoo? Or it was like AltaVista and all those at the time. And so fast forward, the only job I can get after university was a secretary in a web development company. And they're sitting around talking about SEO and I don't know those words. I don't know any of the technical jargon. So they, you know, start talking about ranking on, on Google at the time. And I was like, guys, are you just trying to get it to show up on search engines? Like guys, have you tried this guys? And finally, like I was like, change. If you go into the code and you go into title, make sure that the keyword is in there. And they're looking at me like, how do you know this? Like, how do you know? And I'm like, they're like, how do you know SEO? And I'm like, I don't know what SEO is. So that started this whole realization that this thing that I love to do as a kid is actually a real thing. So immediately I found a company that I could do it like a, a, in publishing house that had 350 sites in house. So I got to be surrounded by all these amazing people. And from then on, it was just like a rocket ship. I went from there to startups like Achievers and Shopify and agencies, and then finally decided to kind of do this on my own, all the while learning not only SEO, but I did PPC for a long time, was a content writer for celebrity gossip blogs, was an <laughs> online marketing manager, senior online marketing manager, head of CRO. So it just like, I just kind of took on all of digital marketing. I just could not stop and loved it so much. So my career has been a little wow. bit crazy, crazy. <laughs> 500 websites at least. Yeah, it's been great. I have so many questions. Like, how how did you buy? Like, how did you know how to buy a website domain back when you were nine? Oh, it wasn't. It was GeoCities, and it wasn't even oh. GeoCities. It was like GeoCities before GeoCities. It was like uh, I can't even remember the locations, Santa Monica or whatever. Like, you you would buy your little cities there. Like, it was intense. It was <laughs> wow. <laughs> How did you select sh shaving? Like, is there like, did you have like a criteria? It's like, oh, this looks like it's a very cool niche. Well, it was funny. I, I, it's so weird that it's like crystallized in my head of me making that decision. I remember looking and there was a list and it was kind of like ClickBank was back then. I don't think it was ClickBank though, but it listed all the different affiliate programs that there was. And I remember that, you know, some said 10%, some said 15%, but CVS said 30%. And I wasn't thinking that, like the fact that the products were like a dollar. <laughs> That did it. it. I could have been selling like probably really expensive like stuff on on there for ten percent and made a lot more money. But at the time, thirty percent was like, wow, I could be a millionaire. So I just chose that. <laughs> mm, that makes sense. Make make more money. 
Secondly, why were your parents upset? I mean, if my kid started making money online, it's like high five. That's well, great. You have to remember, this was like '90s. No one was doing it. In their head, it was child labor. <laughs> <laughs> they could get arrested. We were already like uh, we had green cards in the U.S., so we. My mom thought we were going to get that taken away. Like there was us all oh. things that were like no, like stop whatever you're doing. And I don't even think I used my real name. I think at the end of the day, the checks weren't even out to like a real person because I was just like, who cares? We'll figure that out later. Like I'm not going to make money. Yeah. So I definitely saved CBS a couple thousand dollars because <laughs> I never cashed it. Check. Yeah. But. I mean, I'm, I'm guessing you carried that entrepreneurial attitude from age, age of nine to now, like you've, you also started Flojo, right? What is that? And how did that come about? So Flojo came about because uh, for a few reasons, the first one was I was sitting in an agency and we would have these like meetings where it was like, we got a new client and we were going to brainstorm uh, and find out how we're going to you know help their growth. And I remember you know, everyone would be like, you know, do we have any ideas? And you just see a bunch of people being like, well, I need to just go and research. And so they go back to their desk, they start looking up all these different articles and with like 35 different growth hacks and get completely overwhelmed. Two hours later, we get back in the room and it's like, okay, do we have something? And they're like, no, (laughs) (laughs) what just happened? So I started writing down all the growth hacks and things that I have been doing over the years that had actually worked. And I put them all into this kind of box. Um, it was like index cards when it started of just all the things that worked for me. And then I thought when people started seeing it, they started saying, you know, why don't you actually make this card deck? So I did, I created the growth hacking box and it's just, it's broken up into, you know, at the ways to help brainstorm new ideas to how to re- like um, acquire new customers, how to retain them, how to convert them. And it's just like everything in the box for people who, when you get stuck, you just choose one. You just go, okay, I'm going to take this one thing and it's divided inside. So when you're done that one thing, you can actually put it in a done section so that you won't look at it again. So it's just, it's just a way for me to kind of not only share the stuff that I had out there, but also do that. But lately, you know, with the world being as absolutely chaotic as it's been, and through some of my shift in, instead of talking to people about marketing, to kind of talking to them about, you know, uh, imposter syndrome and all these things, the box shifted to, to something a little bit more. I created the couple's bucket list and the self-care bucket list more as a way of trying to get people to kind of regain their sanity, you know, with all the social media around, with all these articles that we're reading. And we're just, it's just to kind of go back and have this one box and be like, if I just do one thing from here, maybe I can just have like a really great memory or a really great moment. Uh, and so it kind of went from there and became a bit more of the company I wanted, which was a company that I could give to charity. So $5 of every box goes to different charities and something that I know that, you know, growth hacking box is great and I still love it and I still sell it. But these two are kind of more just to just make people happy. Just it's like everyday people just kind of live their best life. <laughs> you mentioned uh, imposter syndrome. I was actually thinking about that because I, I rewatched your talk in, in from Inbound 
And I was just scrolling through my Twitter last night and LinkedIn, and I'm looking at all these people who have written books, they've spoken at everywhere. And I'm like, I feel, I had that feeling of like, man, what am I doing with my life? <laughs> like what, where the heck, what, I should, I should have, I should have written a book by now. I should be like speaking at places. First of all, for people who don't know, you did mention it. What is imposter syndrome and what, what are some things that people can do to b- block that voice? For sure. So what I found after being, you know, working for, you know, 15, 16 years in marketing, for the first few years, I was just so excited. I was just learning things and I was around a lot of smart people and I was feeling good. Um, and there was nothing really to prove. It was only up from there, right? Like you're just doing well and everyone, and you're kind of under the radar. No one's really noticing. You're just kind of, you're getting your own wins. You're just keeping your job and that's it. (laughs) Very low expectations. And then as uh, if you're anything like me as like a a little bit of an overachiever, you're telling yourself that, okay, I got to just get a manager's job. And if I get a manager's job, I just got to get a director's job. And if I get that, I got to, I got to keep going. And so I started to kind of follow that thing of, I have to keep moving. I have to keep moving up. And as I started moving up, I started getting closer to the people that I thought or my heroes and the people that, you know, I looked up to and suddenly you're in the same space as them and you're going, Oh my God, how did I get here? Why did I rush it? (laughs) Now people are looking at me and thinking that I'm like that. And that's when for me, I started, I just froze. I had gotten a job that was supposed to be super exciting and it was something that if I had just kind of taken some time and patience with myself, I probably would have been great at. But at the time I froze and was just like, people started asking me to speak at things. People started kind of asking me for my opinion. People wanted me to be their mentor. And I was like, oh my God, do these people know that I am the biggest fraud in life? And I don't even know how I got here. Like those were the messages that I started to go through my head. And I stopped. It's not that I stopped getting wins. It's I, I stopped pushing through the fails like I used to. Like I could fail 3,000 times while I was like, when no one cared about me, but I would just push through it and I would win. But here, if I even failed a little bit, I would just take it so hard and be like, what's wrong with you? And that's when I started kind of you know, asking around and wondering if other people who were feeling this were feeling the same way I was. Um, and I started feeling realizing like, yeah, they were using that term fraud. I feel like fraud. Uh, I feel like I shouldn't be here. So when I did look up that feeling, I found out that it was called imposter syndrome. It was this thing that it was a research study that was actually created in the seventies. And the weird part about it is when they did create this research study, they ended up researching women. And so they came out of it going, oh, this is a woman's thing because 70% of women are seemingly feeling this way. Except when they redid it in 2011 with men, they found out that, oh, all people, (laughs) (laughs) it's not just a woman's thing. So for the longest time, it ended up being this imposter syndrome was something like, oh, it's just a women feel that way. It's no one else. And I as I started to find out and kind of learn more about imposter syndrome and asking men and women, I realized that like women were willing to share with me that they felt this way. And men were just not even willing to kind of open up and talk about it. And that's when I started asking, okay, I get that this term is weird, but have you ever said the following things to yourself? And it was things like, I only got to the place I got because I was in the right place at the right time. Or 
I'm afraid my family and friends are going to figure out I'm not as great uh, as I think I am or not as smart as I think I am. Um, I remember my failures more than I remember my wins. And all these things, I'm just not good enough. You know, all these these sentences that we're saying in our head and all of a sudden they're like, oh yeah, I do that, <laughs> right? And it bugged me because now I had gone through this major kind of life event at this uh, startup and just like went up in flames, like literally stopped sleeping, complete burnout, couldn't even make, I didn't make it like a single friend that year, like couldn't even function as a regular human being. No one knew the real Tiffany there. But afterwards, I had told myself that if I was going to get asked to speak in a marketing event, I could not stand up there anymore and show them my wins from like two years ago or show them. It just didn't feel right for me anymore because I had gone through this kind of life-changing thing. So instead, I was going to try to put into words, <laughs> put them together, sort of, of this idea and this thing that I had gone through, that I, I had gone through it so deeply that I had to actually go to a life coach and go to, some, actually, she's a life business coach, to help me get out of it, to help me figure it out. And I, I wanted to go up on stage and talk about my journey. Because what I'm noticing is that as we get older, all the women that I was in, working with, they've all become independence and they've all self-employed. And the reason being is that when they hit this same block that I did, they did exactly what I had done. They had just, you know what, I can't deal with this anymore because uh, there was nothing there and no one talking about it at that level. And there used to be this stat that I used to be obsessed with that 80% of women don't get past the director uh, stage. And I remember hearing that going like, that's not going to be me. And as soon as I got there, I went like, I don't want to go any further. Like, this is awful. I, <laughs> this seems more, it's just, I'm not, I don't even know what I'm trying to prove and who I'm trying to prove things to anymore. So yeah, I, that idea of imposter syndrome, I started taking it around the world. And what I started finding is no matter where I was, 70% of people would stand up when I started those sentences. And when they raised their hand, I asked the people who were leaders you know, are you VP founders, whatever, raise your hand. And those were all the people that were standing up. So all these leaders that we have in marketing are feeling this way and they're acting like they don't, which means that they're teaching the next generation to be this way and closed up and not vulnerable and not being transparent to the fact that they feel like a fraud. And we're just making the same mistakes over and over again. So my hope is by sharing this and talking about this and kind of using my own embarrassing horrible story <laughs> to hopefully inspire people to go, you know what? It's not that bad if I admit that thing for me. I think that's a good first step. It's like realizing that everybody or a lot of people feels like that makes you feel like not a fraud. Like it's if everybody feels it, uh, it's not just me. Yeah. Yeah. And and what ends up happening is you realize that and especially as women or I've seen with people of color, you know, when you're constantly thinking that it's because you know, of me because I'm different because I'm another. That's why I'm feeling this way. But there's nothing better than standing up with a white dude being like, "Hey, he's standing <laughs> up too." Like it's not just us. Like, and I think that kind of makes you feel like, you know what? I can be a little bit more confident. I remember, uh, like recently, I was in Romania, and here I was in a country that was recently. I mean, it was communist. So, like, 
not that very long ago. And I asked them to stand up uh, if they had ever said these sentences. And for the first time, only 20% of people stood up. But what I found when I was looking around was people wanted to stand up and they had their hands on and they just couldn't. And so I started looking around at the people who did. And my comment was, oh, you know, I, I see that there's a lot of people sitting down right now, um, which means that you're all liars. But because if you look up, you'll see the marketing leaders of Toronto tomorrow because those are the people that are willing to stand up. And those people ended up being a lot of immigrants to the country, a lot of people of color, a lot of women. And those people ended up coming to me afterwards going, no one had ever said that to me. No one had ever made me feel like I was, you know, uh, I could be that person. And I think that if we start sharing uh, how we feel, then maybe everyone will feel like they fit in the table and we won't, we'll have a more diverse marketing. Cause when you do, it only helps <laughs> the company. It never harms it by having a more diverse group. Yeah, that totally makes sense. The other thing I'm thinking about is for, for example, somebody like me, I'm, I'm turning 35 next year and I, the media loves young, successful people, right? Like, I think Forbes just came out with the top 30 under 30. And, you know, they're, it's the end of the year. People are, like, celebrating, like, this young 20-year-old uh, successful entrepreneur. They just raised $10 million. 22-year-old just wrote a book that's best-selling on, on... It's like, heck, they're half my age. Like, it's, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, there's this moment that I think... There's this moment that, like, you're you're watching TV and you realize that every like actor and actress that you're watching and every football player and basketball player are all younger than you. And you're like, what happened? <laughs> like, how did I get here? How did I get to the other side? Um, and I'm sure it like, it, you feel that way, no matter like uh, as old as you get. But what I think about that is like, it's the same way when someone as morbid as it sounds, dies early. You start thinking that somehow they could have experienced more and you almost like like when Heath Ledger, Ledger passed away, you automatically thought he could have done all these amazing things. So you look at him differently rather than when someone old passes away, that's it, right? You you don't necessarily look at all the way into their past. So I think that's just a sign of kind of our, our world and who we are. But I think that there is that shift, um, especially when we start hearing stories of people who have left the workforce um, for it, having kids or whatever the case may be, and then coming back. And now they have these amazing stories. So you hear the stories of people who start acting at 50 or 60 and become famous. And I think that we need to be more especially the people who are on the other side of 30. I need to start sharing those messages more. And we need to start saying, you know what, we're still here. Because what I, I hate to see um, and something that I feel very strongly about is when we stop looking at the people who have been marketing since the 80s, 70s, and we're ignoring them thinking that they're what they're doing doesn't apply because we're, we now have the internet. But if you talk to the people who are in their fifties and early sixties about marketing, they have these like tidbits of like, Oh, don't they know you have to do this, 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 and this. And you're just like, Oh my God, that's genius. Like, and it's all direct mail stuff that you could use an email, but you know, we're thinking like, Oh, forget it. old guy. Like we're not going to listen to you. And, and they're having this imposter syndrome because they're looking going like people don't even want us to work here because we're too old or we're graying. Um, but I think that I, that's, there needs to be someone or something that 
or some kind of trend where we go back and start looking at the past in marketing because everything's cyclical anyway. And we're probably missing a lot of those gems because we just haven't brought them into the internet stage. That's true. So it seems like it's, you know, a lot of people experience this based on that study that this imposter syndrome, what are some things that you would suggest people do if, you know, they're looking through their social media feed and they're seeing all this young successful folk or they're now they just got hired and it's like, what, why did they hire me? I don't get it. Maybe they're going to find out that I'm a fake. They're going to fire me tomorrow. Like what are some suggestions you would have for people who feel that imposter syndrome? Yeah. So the first step, and it was like one of the hardest things for me, I call it getting off autopilot. Um, really being mindful of the things that you're saying is the first way to stop saying them. And I followed myself around uh, with a notebook and pretty much wrote down every time I would catch myself saying something mean to myself, I would catch it and I would write it down. Uh, And I started doing, I had alarms throughout the day just to be like, what was the last thing I was thinking of? And that's when I realized like in a given week, I had called myself ugly like a bunch of times. I called myself fat. I called myself dumb. I called myself like not a good friend and all all stuff you would never even say to your worst enemy. And I couldn't believe that that was the message that I was saying to myself all day, every day. So once I became aware of that, it became easier to be like, okay, stop it. Like, what are you doing? Um, (laughs) You fool. And then actually seeing, okay, if I say this about myself, then then I need to shift it to this. So I took that same list. I put the list of all the things I should say instead. And I started memorizing that because at the end of the day, our brain, it works, I I think, the same way as almost like a computer. If this, then that. So if I say this, then I'm going to say that instead. And some of them worked. And if I said, you know, you're an idiot, you're like, no, you're not. You're you're really smart. And you need to remember that. Um, those ones were easy. Some of them weren't. Some of them were around my weight. Some of them were around certain things that I just said, okay, I'm going to work on this so that I won't be saying this anymore. And that's how I knew what to do. So that was the first step. The second step was finding out who the villains were in my life. Um, and their villains can be, they don't need to be people that are just outright mean to you. They could just be people that bug you. Like <laughs> you're going through your social media and they're showing their awesome family life or whatever. And you're just like, you make me feel bad about myself. Like now is the time to delete them. Like there's no, you, I don't know why sometimes people keep those people on. Like I get that you're trying, you don't want them to know or they don't you want don't want them to be upset but my thing is instagram screws up all the time and they're constantly people on my instagram just do it just like get rid of it and and or i have an instagram that's just happy things like i go in and my feed is only like like tiny houses and cabins in the woods and uh, soca music and just just the happy things right and and if I'm going to rewire my brain, it's going to be by looking at things that make me happy. Yeah. So I think finding out that and turning it around to know when are you being a villain to other people? Because the thing about when you're feeling this way, it's a lot about me, 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 me. Um, but I think that the only way to get out of it is to start looking at where, where do I fit in comparison to others? So when I'm walking down the street, um, I, and I'm seeing someone, you know, if, if, there's something about them that you like, like, you know, they have great shoes or whatever, just say it while walking by. Or if you know someone 
feels intimidated by you, make sure that you go out of your way to like say hi to them, sit down with them, ask them how they are uh, remembering the information they tell you for next time. Like make it a point to not be the villain in other people's life because it'll just, it kind of creates this uh, cycle of, you know, they look at you, give you kind of a weird look. You're thinking like, well, what's wrong with me? And then you give them a weird look. They're thinking, with me and it just goes on so it's like be by actually being more kinder to other people or seeing through their eyes you can kind of get out of it yourself uh yeah when we come back in just a moment Tiffany shares why it's important to find your shine crew those people who will support you and keep you accountable we also dig into seo and why it's important to create more seo pages than blog posts I just want to thank the sponsor for this episode, Rank Science. Rank Science is the easiest way to grow your organic traffic and get content ranking higher in Google. They have created this really cool AI-powered platform, which gives your content team superpowers. And what does that even mean? But they actually do. First, they've created this algorithm that uses real-time search data and natural language processing to help you write content that is highly relevant to searchers intent. So you don't have to figure out, well, for the specific keywords, what are actually people's intention? They have mapped that out directly to what users are searching for. So you don't have to guess that anymore. Two ways you can use is you can optimize your past blog posts, or you can plan out and create new ones, giving you a step-by-step -step plan for easy content success. Also, the second tool they've created is for customers with lots of landing pages. You can use Rank Science's SEO A-B testing platform to easily test which HTML changes causes an uplift in search traffic. The cool thing is you don't have to bother engineering resources to make those SEO enhancement changes to your website because the platform that they've created allows you to do that directly without any code. Rank Science is used by hundreds of companies to grow organic traffic from startups to publicly traded companies. They have customers like BuildZoom, Goldbelly, Sweetness, and Career Karma. You can sign up for a 30-day free trial at rankscience.com forward slash grow today, or you can find that link in the description of this podcast. Now, if you don't like ads like this, you can support me for as little as $2 per episode. That's about $8 to $10 a month. That's not a lot. You get an ad-free version of this podcast. You also get each podcast a day before everybody else and get access to all the growth cheat sheets with all the actionable tips that I've created from each episode so far. You can support me on patreon.com forward slash grow today to help me with the cost to maintain and grow this podcast. You can find that link in the description. Well, enough about this. Let's jump back in in my chat with Tiffany. I think also in that talk you had, you were talking about finding your people. And that's f funny because like in, in when I was back in university, my group of friends would have a term like, oh, those are my people and those are not my people. And what we meant was like people you hang with sometimes, they accept you for who you are and not because of your achievements. Like, is the, have you found those people and how has that helped with Squashing, squashing that imposter syndrome. Yeah. So the biggest thing that I find um, as we get older is that we stop having friends. Like we may get paired up, we may, and we kind of just end up having our families or having our partner's friends or whatever. We just kind of lose out on what it means to have real friends. And so I, when I go on stage, I tell people to create a shine crew. Um, 
my shine crew uh, started when I was feeling very, very, very depressed. I had gotten my first uh, kind of speaking gig at Unbounce and I was sitting and surrounded by people like Gia Laudi and Joanna Weeb and Ollie Gardner. And I was just dying. I'm like, why am I here? Oh my God. And everyone's talking about like how great they are, not in the braggy way and like the most humble way, which makes it worse. And I was just like, I'm not even going to, I'm not even going to tell people who I am. So Joanna's sitting next to me and she's being very nice to me and asking me who I was was and what I did. And me being the Debbie Downer that I was, I was like, do you ever feel like a fraud? <laughs> and, and just flat out asked. And I don't know what made me do it, but she just was being really nice to me. And that was really sad. And she goes, yeah, all the time. And she started talking to me about it and talking to me about what I felt to be like a woman in our industry. And then uh, Gia heard. And so Gia comes over and Angie Schumuller heard and then she comes over and by the end of the weekend, we had decided that, you know what, like we need a group of people that we can go to who can talk about this stuff. We can talk about finances with each other. We can talk about our goals. We can talk about the hardships and the bad stuff that happen and not feel like we need to be perfect all the time. And I'm not saying that our shine crew is perfect uh by any means but because we were probably the most different people we actually recently did one of those strengths finder and found out we were like the most different people all wanting to be a players or achievers but like we we're all just very different but we each know our strengths and, and know how to help and we're a lot of the times we feel like imposters around each other and we kind of have to get ourselves out of it. But we always have that crew of people that you can never feel bad for asking for help. And so when I went around and kind of started telling people about this idea, women started creating these groups. Dads started creating these groups of dads who just wanted to you know, talk about what it was like to be a dad and how to raise their kids. Knitters got together and started creating knitting groups while they talked about marketing. Like it was just, it's so cool because they were, they had an excuse to ask for a friend. And I think that that's sometimes really hard to do. So yeah, I think that's, it's really important. And it also helps you with the next step, which is learning what your boundaries are and learning how uh, you know, what are the, going to be the rules from now on for my new life? And, and when it comes to like relationships, I have rules of like, what would be an A friend, a B friend, a C friend, a D friend, an F friend. And if an, a friend is at the F level a few times, then it's either you're going to have a conversation with them or you're going to get kick them out because they're a villain. And when I'm with work and with clients, I want them to know uh, before we even start, what is considered A work, B work, C work. Let's make a metric there. How many leads does it mean a month to, to have an A? How many leads does it mean to have a B? So that before we even get to the meeting, I'm not wondering, oh my God, what are they going to say? What are they going to think? I know where I am because I already have the report card. I, I, I already know where I stand. Those are my expectations. And when you have a group behind you of friends who get it, who, who know how you feel and who can say like, you can stand up for yourself, then you don't feel bad having those expectations. And you feel like, you know what, I can do this because I know that my crew uh, does it too. So I really, I urge people that part of this whole imposter syndrome thing is really having a group of people, no matter what area you are, if it's like a mom's group, if it's a dad's group, if it's a marketing group, but of the people that you're just going to be honest with. When I first went solo, I actually created my own. Oh, I, I had a bit on my own and I was, um, I got my first client that was like to do an SEO audit. And I remember we had created this group of uh, digital marketers in Toronto and 
I started asking the dumb, basic SEO questions because it had been like 10 years or 15 years since I had asked those questions. And like some of them were still kind of weird questions that you're not really sure the answer to. And what surprised me was they were still debatable all these years later. And so here I was thinking I was an idiot because I didn't know the answer to the basic SEO questions. But then I realized by being with this crew of people who were able to not make me feel dumb, they were able to say, oh, no, well, you can look at it from this perspective or this perspective. And it made me feel like, you know, I'm not dumb. I'm not. So I think it's it's just in whatever area you're going to spend your most time in, make sure that you have a crew of people who are going to be to help. That's good. I I want to touch upon that SEO really quick in a bit, but how does the Shine crew work logistically? Like, do you meet consistently once a month or something like that over Zoom? Or is it more organic where you're part of a, a Slack group or a WhatsApp group and you're just uh, messaging each other? So it never really works out every time we try to plan something because we're just the type of people we are. But we do have, we've always had a Slack group um, and there it started with four people. I think now we have about 10 people and we're very, it, it takes a lot of debate to figure out who's going to come into our group. Like we, uh, we're, we're strict. Um, my other group of digital marketers, we're not, we're just like, <laughs> but for this, it's like, because we are sharing our finances and our stuff and stuff. So it's really important who we bring in. But we try to meet bi-weekly over Zoom. Um, so we're just, it doesn't matter what we talk about. We're just kind of like just seeing each other's face. Uh, for the longest time, me and Angie Schumler, for example, hadn't seen each other in like seven years. We only see each other and we just recently did two talks together back to back. And we're like, oh my God, I get to see your leg. <laughs> <laughs> it's so weird not to see someone. That's so funny. It became my pen pal. But yeah, and you know, we talk every couple weeks. We're always, we talk every day with each other in the Slack group. And for every decision we make, we're going to each other. And it's been, it's been great. And when people aren't doing their part, we've, ha- we've had to let them go. Like we kicked them out. Like they just didn't f- fit with uh, and so being having a, a lead on there that's going to be willing to kind of make those decisions for you is really important as well. That totally makes sense. Yeah. I want to chat really briefly about that SEO. Um, there was that talk that you did for Forget the Funnel um, with Giolotti and Claire. Thank you, ladies. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. All right. That's cool. What, what, what is, uh, you talked about SEO pages, how it's better than blog posts. Can you just briefly talk about that? Because that was kind of the first time I heard it. I briefly heard it from some, somebody else in this podcast. So I think when people start thinking about SEO and thinking about, you know, their website, they immediately think, Oh my God, I have to create all the blogs. I have to create all this content. I got to get a bunch of people reading all my stuff. And that's, that's great. However, when we think about how SEO really works is, and some people forget this, if you want someone to come to your website using a particular keyword, you have to have a page with that keyword. And it sounds like common sense, but when we think about, let's say I'm an accountant and I can create all the blogs in the world about all these accounting rules and all the stuff you should be doing around tax time and all that stuff. And that's great. That's top of funnel content. That's inspiring, educational, entertaining blog. Sure. But when someone's looking for an accountant in Toronto, you need to have that page. <laughs> like it, you need to, and that page has to sell people on why you're the best accountant in Toronto, maybe what your prices are, some testimonials. It's exactly what you would think of a PPC landing page, but for SEO, it's living within, within your navigation and it's internally linked more than other pages. And I think that, you know, a lot of the times people come to me and say, I don't know why we're not 
ranking, like we're not getting any traffic and you look at their site and they're like, we've been blogging. You're looking at the blog. And it's like, yes, you have. And, and the other thing is we're sprinkling our keywords all over the place. And it's like, okay, well, let's say you're talking about, um, I don't know what am I going to pick on like a coffee shop. Let's say you have a coffee shop and you have all these cool, you have a great Instagram, you have a great blog, all about different coffees and stuff. Um, and let's say that you're a coffee shop in Toronto and your coffee shop Toronto page that ranks is just about all the cool coffee shops, other coffee shops in Toronto, and not yours isn't like right in center then that's probably the wrong message you want to give out to someone. So instead you should have a page that's coffee shop Toronto and it should be where people can learn where the map is of where you are, maybe how to get reservations and all the different things that they would want. So I think it's just really important to think before you start blogging, do I have all the pages that I need to get my stuff done to get my bottom of funnel, middle of funnel. And probably those pages. And that is the reason why you said in that talk that it brings in heaps more of signups than your blog posts because they are more aware. You're giving them the information that they want. I'm looking for a coffee shop. So I'm I'm going to go over to that place. Yeah, you're getting them right at their knees. You need all stages um, to have a really great marketing. I say this, I, I wish I had time to do it myself, but like you need all the different stages of things. But you have to get people where they are, where, where, what their intent is. And if people are ready to get an accountant and you're giving them accounting tips, then they're not in four seconds, they're not going to be able to figure out on your blog that they're in the right place and that they can contact you. Whereas if they had a page that was all about everything that they needed and you just have to fill in your name and your email, then perfect. Like you're on your way. So yeah, I think people just first and foremost, when a CEO used to come up to me and say like, we need to blog more. And I'm like, no, you need to get, you need more pages. Yeah. You need these 20 pages to be approved so I can make you money. Cause that is more important. Like, right now. yeah. So I think it's really important for people to be able to know the words. Cause I, I did one for copy hackers where I was literally teaching people how to talk to their boss about it. Like, what are you going to say to your boss when they're asking for a blog and you need pages that make money instead and, and how to do it in Google analytics to actually see where pages really finding where your pages are making money and which pages are making money. And because it is so important and people just need to know the words to say and the confidence to be able to say it. That totally makes sense. I'm curious about that because I've never launched a physical product. <laughs> How hard or easy was it to actually launch something? <laughs> it's <so> hard. <laughs> I'm scared. I'm scared of it, but I've always wanted to try it someday. But you gotta. I think it's I've learned so much about so much by doing it. When I started, it was just a bucket list item, create a product. And I didn't realize what actually went into, you know, getting your suppliers from China, um, making sure that, you know, you have a prototype, uh, making sure even you know, I thought everything was great, couples bucket list was selling great. And then one day it became an Amazon's choice and sold out in two days. And I didn't have the inventory to bring it back in. Like you have all these crazy problems that you never thought you would have with a product that you just don't have when you're selling digital things. So it's been really exciting to see. Um, But one of the things that I realized as like a entrepreneur trying to do this is, you know, I've been so product focused for two years with Flojo that now I've had to shift to marketing. And when I'm trying to market my own product, I'm just as bad as every client that's ever come up to me. I like 
people ask me about the brand and I'm writing a very product focused, you would think that like my, my really happy, fun product was like the most boring thing in the world because of the way I describe it. And that's where it becomes so important to either get user testing where you're getting other people to explain what your product is, or you're getting someone else to just write about it. Because when someone else writes about my products, I'm like, Oh my God, it sounds so great. I would buy it. And when I read my own stuff, I'm like, I would never buy this. It sounds awful. Like, what am I? I sound like I'm trying to like break up marriages with my couple of <laughs> Sounds so somber. But yeah, so I've learned a lot about who to hire, when to hire. And also just the whole process of creating a card deck True. is just cool. Fun. I'm, oh man, you just got me excited. I need to bring you back for another episode where it's all about physical products, if you, if you don't mind. Oh, I, I can just go on on, on, on Amazon's like uh, <laughs> uh, optimization, like crazy. Uh, it's like, I feel from 96. It's great. <laughs> I did notice this on Amazon. So you're, you've optimized, you know, I'm guessing you figure on Amazon search optimization. If that's Yeah, yeah, it is. Yeah, you figure it out. And they also have um, their own, uh, you're buying ads and stuff the same way. Uh, yeah, it's, it's quite the process. And it takes a while to kind of get used to it. And even learning how the algorithm works throughout the day. Like I've been able to just get some cool tools lately that I've been able to see how ranking just goes up and down all day long. And you're just like, yeah. So it's been fun. It's like, with your own product, you're kind of forced to you know, one day you're just looking at inventory and how supply chain works and all that stuff. And then another day, you're like, you know, even though I'm a marketing professional, apparently, I, I have no idea how Etsy works. And I've never touched Etsy. So like, let me go dive deep and learn how Etsy marketing works. So I love it because it like now when people come up to me with these like, you know, maybe a product or something that they don't even know where to start, I can say like, oh, have you tried this? Or, you know, this is something cool that I just watched myself on a course because I'm like, retaking courses now again because it's so different so i love it i i love any opportunity to learn more but in that way where you can apply it really quickly i'm curious what else is on your bucket list you said launching a physical product are there any like you know this is on and because you also have a bucket list thing uh product right yeah uh self-care and to be honest this year it's all about me going through my own self-care bucket list because I created it and I never actually did the things. And uh, a lot of them are like, they're just feel good things like buying a $25 or gift card or buying a gift card and just giving it to a stranger just to see what, you know, like something like so small that especially around Christmas, it just makes you feel good. So a lot of the stuff isn't just about, you know, spa days and wine, but it's like, actual, they're in there, but actual stuff that like, makes the world a better place also so i'm excited to go through it myself but on more of like a professional level do you have other things on your bucket list like i don't know writing a book or flying a plane or flying a helicopter <laughs> Uh, I do. I, I do want to get the imposter syndrome down in a book. Yeah. And and not even just a book, a workbook. I think I'll probably start with a workbook because I'm more of a hands-on person anyway. And if people want to listen to my story, I guess I'll write a book. <laughs> they feel like they want to listen to me. But I think the workbook is really important because it changed my life to go through those different stages and actually writing down what, what I was thinking and even writing down towards the end when I started visualizing what my goals were, writing what the perfect day was was like a really cool exercise where, you know, with a pen and paper and just saying, you know, in the future, what would the perfect day look like from beginning to end and rereading that every day? I thought that was such a powerful 
exercise that I don't think enough of us do. And stuff came out of that that I didn't even realize I wanted, um, which kind of changed my goals for the future and changed the way I even looked at the goals that I have now. So um, writing a book and kind of sharing that is really important. And I'm looking up here. Uh, I do have a growth hacking course. I have all the things I want to do. (laughs) (laughs) That's cool. Yeah. So I'm like, "Um, there's uh, some SEO pages for the Tiffany DeSilva website. uh, But I do want to make... my growth hacking box. I want to turn that into a book for people in India and in China who may not be able to afford the, the price of something like that. Um, I want I want to definitely create in a book that, that can be used there for the price that would match what they can afford there. So I think that that's really important to me to be able to keep kind of grow a message like that throughout every country. Awesome. I'm just about to wrap up. Just two more questions. What would be your one piece of advice to um, marketers, whether they're maybe, maybe they're a little bit early in their career and, you know, they're trying to climb this ladder that is imaginary. What would be your advice to that kind of marketer? Take the time to just learn now. Like you are in the sweetest spot ever. And the, even if you were to rush it, you're going to get to a point in your career where having being able to sit down and create and like go through a course or learn things and read a bunch of articles you just won't have the time to do it and when you get there uh, as a manager or director and if you don't have that kind of background you're going to start getting that imposter syndrome really hard uh and you're not going to have maybe necessarily the contacts or people at that point to really help you along the way so i would uh, definitely just use this time create your own stuff, right? Make your own courses, make a product, just kind of go all heads in like body and just to do something. And as you're doing it, share with other people what you're doing, because uh, people look at my career now and go, Oh, how can I do that? But they don't realize that for years and years, I was posting all the time on Twitter and telling people what I was sharing, even reading articles and disseminating it into one or two sentences that I posted on Twitter from my own opinion based on those articles was a way that I became a growth hacking influencer before it became a thing. It was, and it was a weird thing to be called that, but it was just because of that maybe two or three months where I just sat down and just started reading everything and just disseminating it myself. And, um, so just enjoy that time because you might not have it, especially if you're single now and you know you don't have you're not married, you don't have a lot of stuff going on. Or me, my single life with a mortgage that <laughs> stop taking courses for a bit. But like, just enjoy it. I think enjoy the journey. That's good, really great. And just last question: Where can people find out more about you or Flojo or anything else that you're working on? All the things. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at Bella Stone, B-E-L-L-A Stone. Flojo is F-L-O-W-J-O dot C-O. And actually, I will give out a discount to the Growth Hacking Box to all the Growth Today peeps. I uh, get 25% off with discount code Growth Today um, on the Flojo site. So I, I'll send you all that information so you can post it up. Yeah, and that's it. That's, that's me in a Awesome. Thank you so much for your time. I really appreciate it. Thank you. Well, that's it for this episode. Wow, that's so good. Um, that was, like I said, a different kind of podcast episode. But really, it struck home for me. Three things that really struck home for me. First is you have to find your shine crew. Uh, I've started companies. I've started a few companies before where I tried to do it on my own. And man, that was tough. 
the Shine Crew are people who will support you and have similar goals as you. You can form a group on Slack, WhatsApp, or Facebook. You can discuss problems and share experiences, promote each other's content, and have honest and transparent conversations to help support one another. Second, identify people you need to cut out or ignore. Who is that villain in your life? You need to set boundaries for how you're going to deal with them. And third, visualize your race and visualize yourself winning it. People who envision their success tend to be the ones that outperform their peers. Did I miss something? Share with me your takeaways from this episode at Ramley John or my email ramley at growthtoday.fm. You can also, you know, I'm really curious what your goals are for this coming year i'd like me if you want we can keep each other accountable i'm going to be posting up my goals i'm actually starting a new consulting website you can find that soon i'm gonna release it probably next week before i end i just want to thank once again those who made this episode possible this folks help cover the cost of hosting and marketing tools so i can focus on getting amazing experts that you and i can learn from i want to thank once again the sponsor for this episode rank science if you're an seo this thing is super cool if you have a lot of landing pages they have an a b testing platform to easily test which html changes whether it's a tagline h1 tags or paragraph whatever it is you can figure out which changes will cause an uplift in your search traffic. This can help you optimize your pages, but also past blog posts. You can sign up for a risk-free 30-day trial at rankscience.com forward slash grow today. Well, that's it for this episode. Until the next one, this is your host, Ramley John. And as always, keep on growing. Passion.